Una de las especies más peculiares del mundo latino es el Padreus protectorus, que vive colgado encima de sus hijos como un koala. Vamos contigo por si le pasa algo a tu auto. Mamá, voy a estar bien. Pero este instinto sobreprotector se está extinguiendo, porque State Farm está ahí las 24 horas y los necesitas. Así que los padres finalmente están soltando a sus hijos a la naturaleza. ¡Nos mandas fotos! Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy. This episode of Strikeway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakaway today because you're going to want to get access to BSBOT episodes after every single playoff game. We did it last season. We're planning on doing it this season. Unless it's a Monday night, we do record after the playoff games for everyone. Here, celebrate with us. Cry with us. All you want. Go to the Patreon. Join up. Support the show. So many things to, to promote right now, so stick with me. If you're listening on Tuesday, there is a playback live show, playbacktv.blueshirtsbreakaway. We will be watching and, and reacting to the game live, Game 1, Rangers-Devils. If you're in New York City on Saturday, Downtown Social, 7 p.m., we are hosting a live watch-along for Game 3. Greg and I, Downtown Social, no cover, open to the public, bring your friends, come hang out. We're probably going to try and pack the bar out, so be there. And also, and I know I'm talking a lot about things we're doing, but it's the playoffs. We waited all year for this. Not just us, the Rangers as well. We just released multiple new shirts. Uh, Once Upon a Time on Broadway, awesome shirt. So good. The detail in it really, and it's it's also available for a poster. It's framed. It's awesome. And then also, our dear friend Nick, our number one designer, did Fight Night at the Garden, Ben Harper, Punch of Corey Perry. Awesome stuff. It's on my Twitter. Check it out. That was the longest intro I think we've done in a long, 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 long time. Let's get to the show. We have a lot to talk about with Devils Rangers. Love you guys. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Week of the Bush Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and it is time. It is playoff time. We've waited all year. The Rangers have waited all year. Kapokako said the real games begin now. Gregory, say hello. The end of Mets athletics was offensive. I mean, it was tough. I'm sure I didn't watch a goddamn second of it, nor do I care. But I'm sure it was. Flap, flap, flap. You guys have lost a couple games now. 14 and 2. I think we're okay. I don't know. Congratulations to the Blue Jays. Devils Rangers, your first one, your first round matchup. We did a playoff preview last week on BSBOT with our friend Jeff. We have Shana on today to go into the, the numbers and analytics and matchups. Greg, let's give our opinions where we feel mm. uh, we're at right now. Best team we've ever had on paper. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best roster the Rangers will ever have in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Underdogs in the series. Mm. New New Jersey Devils, up and young, young up and coming team, young. First year of really success in their franchise in a long time. Have beaten the Rangers way back when. Obviously, this is whatever happens in this series will be talked about forever between Rangers and Devils fans. You will just respond with the year on Twitter. That will be the classic comeback. But yet, I'm not scared, but I am tentative. Does that make sense? You're nervous. I am. Yeah. I I think that's fair. I found myself getting more confident as the days have drawn closer i think if you asked me this on thursday how i felt about playing the devils i would have been like i don't know i think that i i would have i would have had a hard time even telling you it was a 50 50 series 
But where I sit now, I don't know if it's just having more time thinking about the matchups, talking to more people, getting more annoyed at the just little brother syndrome that exists over across the river. Boy, it is very serious. It's amazing. Uh, Ryan, I have felt, I have found the perfect way to piss them off. And it's simply by saying, I don't really hate you. It's amazing because then a devil fan has to try to make the best argument for why you should care about them more. And there's nothing more embarrassing for a fan base to be like, here's why I'm actually important. It's it's wonderful. I love no, it. No, I hate Pittsburgh I, fans way more than you. I promise. I, I honestly, I, I, I did the list. Pittsburgh, Flyers. Yeah, I think your list is a little crazy. I don't think it is. I really don't. I fuck. There's nothing more I hate than the Stop the yelling only at thing, me. The only, thing, <laughs> the only thing I hate more than the French is someone pretending to be French, Ryan. Therefore, Montreal deserves to be higher than North, New Jersey. That is right? not true. That's well, not it, true. It is true. I also no. have more recent playoff history with Montreal than I do New Jersey. The Devils are definitely higher than Montreal. I'm you know what you. moment I'm you talk about? You yeah, you want to know what moment you talk about more than any other moment in a Ranger Tanner game? Glass going topside over Carey Price. Yeah, but you're going to sit here and tell me they're not a bigger rival to you? They're not. All right. You're just fucking lying to yourself. They're That's not. They're New, New, New Jersey is just the, the state of New Jersey is a personal rival of mine. So it's well, that, kind of hard to get away from that. All right. That's on you. Uh, right. Anyway, I just, I don't know. I, I think the more I look at the angles in this series, there are obviously things I'm going to be worried about. We talk a lot about them with our friend Shana, who gracious enough to join us for the 700th time in her podcasting career. Literally uh, maybe the 90th time. Yeah. No, like, listen, why have other guests when she's so good? That's what I keep telling myself. Great question. Uh, I, the, I'm worried about how the Rangers are going to handle the devil's speed. I'm worried about the devil's playing the Rangers off the rush. I'm worried about odd man advantages. All that shit can be true. At the same time, I just, again, I, the Rangers have not cared about games. I did think I went back and reviewed cause I said on OT, like Jeff was mentioning all the big games the devil's play this year. I've, I, I do think that rivalry week that you and I made fun of scheduling the Penguins three times and the Capitals once. It was a huge for the Rangers. Aw, awful <laughs> scheduling, but those games were important in the season. What did the Rangers do? Uh, they won three of them. They knocked, the, and knocked just, the Penguins out of the playoffs. Yeah, I rem- remember going into that second play- Penguins game, and people were like, ah, oh, geez, you know, if the Rangers don't start winning these games, they might have to be a wildcard team. And, uh, blah, blah. and it's Oh, like, they put it away. They put it away. They, they murdered put them. it away. And but there was then not only did they put it away, there was no doubt. The every time the Rangers have had to play a really big game, and we can debate again if the Rangers felt the Devils game towards the end of the year was a really big game. I remain pretty confident that they did not care that much, and the result did not matter because every time we hear quotes from these guys, is we don't care where we're seated, we don't care who we're playing, we simply want to get there, we simply want to play. Let's hurry it up, let's move it along, let's play some fucking playoff hockey. That's every quote we've heard from the New York Rangers from literally the second game of the season onward. They, the, they considered that first opening night game against the Lightning a playoff game. They won it convincingly. Every game since then, the Rangers are like, dope. Is it the playoffs yet? Are we there? They had one important week in their eyes, which was that rivalry week where they handled their business. But now, like, I just, to me, where I sit, the Devils have a lot more to prove here than the Rangers. I think most of the pressure in this series, it does feel like it's on the Devils' shoulders a little bit more. Well, that's than why it's so weird because the Rangers are not favored anywhere, and I just feel like this is a take care of business series for the Rangers. Like they 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 have aspirations of a cup run, and I'm sure the Devils do as well. But it's way more for the Rangers who made the Easter Conference Finals last year and were like deserved to be there. 
what was not a fluke, fought and got their way there and deserved to be there. And they have the destination in sight set for the Stanley Cup this year, but it, like they have to make the Easter Conference Finals. You can't make the Easter Conference Finals every single year. That's very hard to do. We've seen it. It is extremely know, tough. I will push back a little bit. I, like Calling the Rangers an underdog in this series is a bit disingenuous, even from a, a betting standpoint. Like, yes, they are a slight, very slight underdog on the season series. I looked at the odds today. You can get the devil, the Rangers at even money. Devils were minus 120. That's the closest series of any series that you're going to find on gambling sites, especially DraftKings.com, which you should be using for all your Rangers. That's the closest series breakdown you're going to find, and that's essentially making the – it's making it – Vegas is saying if you play this series 100 times, the Devils will win it 52% of the time. Like that, that is – Sure, they are a favorite, but they are such a small favorite that it wouldn't be. An I was looking the at the evolving play. wild thing that was like the Rangers. I know, are more but we, like... yeah, we talk about that with Shayna too. Where if you look at if if this was an eighty-two game series, I think the Devils would win more games. I think the Devils have an eighty-two game structure that plays better against the New York Rangers than it would in a seven-game sample. I just if you look at a model and you look at the breakdown, I don't want to step on our interview with Shayna. She does a great job of explaining this, but if you look at like. The model is going based off, are these teams going to play exactly like they played for the previous 82 games? In which we would say the New Jersey Devils, for the most part, overachieved, and the New York Rangers, for the most part, underachieved. And also, the New York Rangers that are going to take the ice for Game 1 are drastically different than the New York Rangers that took the ice for Game 41 in the regular season. Whereas the Jersey, the Jersey team, they added Timo Meyer, but that's essentially the roster they've been running out the entire season. So you kind of have a great idea as to what they are, what they could be, where they're going. New York Rangers, they're kind of uncharted at this point in time. Like, if all we have to go off is essentially how the Rangers played the final five weeks of the season. Ron, I got news for you. They didn't lose a lot of games the final five weeks. And they didn't really try. That's the yeah. other part. They really didn't. It's And it was very obvious. I think I saw Josh Kaplan, a friend of the show, now writer for Blue Shirts Banter, tweet out, like, when you do the probabilities for the Rangers, please account for the fact that they only played 30% of their effort. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, they, they didn't really give a shit. Yeah, they knew they were getting here. They knew they weren't going to get home ice in the first round. And they said, we don't give a shit. We'll beat you anyway. They actually not only did, didn't, like, they didn't just say that with their play. They, they publicly said it. Told, they told they said Vince. It. They yeah. told Vince. Adam, Adam Fox <laughs> said it once. He's like, we're doing it again. We're stopping caring about the regular season. We should probably stop doing that. And the thing is, they did for a game. And then they... They, like Adam Fox said it, then they played the Lightning, and then after the Lightning game, they're like, "All right, we proved we gave a shit." And I know. And even even Filipino was like, "You know what? We're gonna have to beat some people on the road, no matter what. We just gotta play who's in front of us. We cool. don't care." Kabakago is a baby who doesn't know a lot of English words, and he's sitting in front of the media today, and all he says is, "Now the games actually finally count. They like, matter now." <laughs> Good. Like, like I, I get it. A, a Devil fan is gonna see that statement and find a way to make it about Jack Hughes because he's a fucking loser. But I just, like, I don't know what yeah, to guys, tell Jack you. Jack Hughes is a superstar. I don't know what to tell I'm, you. I'm so tired of it. I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so tired of it. I it's my fault, it. too. It's my fault. I mean, it's a lot of your fault. But It's a lot point, of my fault. It's like, guys, yeah. I, I did I, write the commandment, if you choose to lose, you lose. And, boy, that's going to rub me back in the wrong way. Probably. But, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, screenshots. If we lose a series, screenshots after screenshots it's, after it's, screenshots. It's all right. I had a bunch of Devils fans get angry at me because I was like, wow, uh, Timo Meyer doesn't have the stomach for playoff hockey. And then I said something about himself. Well, I, I said something like I'd shit my pants too if I was thinking about trying to score on Igor Shosturkin. And Devils fans quoted a tweet by trying to say that Timo has already scored as a devil against Igor Shosturkin. But what they failed to do, because New Jersey school systems aren't that great, 
is reading comprehension failed them. So they said, Unless you're a Ranger fan in New Jersey listening to this, then you're great. <laughs> no, what I'm saying hey, is you could have got better school. That's no, fine. You could have got better school. And moved to they probably agree with you, actually. They probably agree with you. Exactly. Uh, what they were said is he's already done it. But they didn't specify what the it was in this sentence. So I can only assume, Ryan, is all the Devil fans know Timo Meyer has shit his pants. Great. That, you know what? Cool. And props to Timo Meyer. Nothing wrong with that. Well, Absolutely, a little, what, nothing wrong with that. Anyway, are, no, 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 no. We're gonna. <laughs> are you saying? Are you saying there's nothing wrong with being adult and shitting your pants? Well, you know, well, you gotta know when to trust it or not. Very important. Okay, but are you saying? I'm not saying. No, actually, no. I, should, I, I, should, I, I promote good bathroom hygiene. That's okay. what we came to talk about in this podcast. Right, but you just said there's nothing wrong with shitting your pants. Well, I just I listen. If you fart, you know it's got to trust it. It's very important. Accidents okay, no, no, no. But I'm I'm being I'm being precise here. You said there's nothing okay, wrong fine. with shitting your you pants. You should not shit your pants. Yeah, Is that I what didn't... you wanted me to say? Yeah, because I don't think it's a hot take, Ryan, to say Can't that make you a should joke. shit your pants. Can't it make a joke a... on a podcast. You can, you can make a joke, but what you said was just not fucking funny. Like it just went bad. <laughs> if it was funny, I wouldn't fucking interrogate you, would you laugh about anyway. this. All right. Uh, uh, I don't know. You're you're funny every now and then. Yeah, funny. once in a while, you know. Yeah. Funny looking needle. Oh, Dad, what are you doing here? Needle to haystack. Dad, All right. no, that, he would not be here. Actually. That's true. Oh God. <laughs> See now, that's fucking funny. That was good. You that was it? funny. Yeah, you're. All right, we're learning now. a lot. Jesus. There you go. There you go. Oh man, I one thing I want to warn De- Ranger fans about is I do think the the Devils are going to come out in this series just fully embracing the emotion of having a home plate. Like look at the way the devils played the last game against the Rangers where Lindy Ruff legitimately came out afterwards and said, it's the biggest game. A lot of my guys have been in and think about what that is in an actual playoff scenario. So if the Rangers go down early in game one, I am asking you and I am begging you the Rangers, the one key to the Rangers, this entire playoff run, however long it is, is the resolve they've shown all year long. They love to look like shit. They love to stay in games that they have absolutely no business staying into, and they love to tie it up late and win in overtime or somehow find a way to win when they absolutely should not. So when the Devils come out absolutely gangbusters, and they will in game one, it's going to be okay. It is a long series, and the Rangers are going to need to make adjustments as it goes. Yeah, I I think the best quality you can say about the New York Rangers, this this doesn't excuse the games where they fell behind teams they shouldn't have fallen behind. But the New York Rangers, they will take a look at a 2 nothing deficit and say, I don't know, we're good enough to fucking overcome this. Fucking relax. Like, I don't think there's a moment that will be quote-unquote too big for the New York Rangers. I, I don't think this the, team... I totally couldn't agree more. Yeah, this team... More. This team... I Honestly, I, I, we've said this before too, some of the problems early in the season is when they would get a really big league. They're like, dope, job done. We have nothing to worry about. And they would just fucking coast through the rest of the game because yeah, they simply Rangers. knew they were better than these teams. And I do think part of I, I'm not saying that mentality necessarily goes away, but I do think there's more of a, an instinct to go for the kill in the playoffs than there exists when you're just happening to play Winnipeg on a Thursday night. I don't I, I like if the Rangers are behind in the game two nothing. It's not going to feel like the game is over like it would have previous years. And I. The difference is, not only do I feel that way, I know this team not only feels that way, but they've proven that a lead against them just does not matter. And if you aren't going to play guns blazing, 
look again, look exactly at the last game you're referencing, that New Jersey Devils game. It's interesting hearing Jeff's perspective on that game on the OT because Jeff will sit there and tell you that the Devils got out to an early lead and they tried to control play at 5-on-5 the rest of the game. And I would say for the most part, I'd agree with that, except with the difference of the Rangers started to really punch back when they got behind 2-0, and it forced the Devils to play differently, where the Devils weren't rushing and hard-charging. They weren't comfortable the entire second half. They were playing conservatively, and I don't think the New York Rangers, the teams that have had success against the New York Rangers this season are teams that at no point play conservatively against them. And it's really hard, really hard to convince a young hockey team that has not been to the playoffs in many a years, and for the most part, most of this roster is going for the first time. Really hard to convince that team that they shouldn't play conservatively if they grab a lead. But that is the death nail for the Devils if they do. If the Devils go up 2 nothing, and then it's not even turtling. It's just not throwing the next haymaker. If they don't keep throwing haymakers, the Rangers are going to get back into the game, and then you're climbing an uphill battle where you're trying to not only stave off one team's momentum, but gain it back yourself. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's exactly what the Devils are, what the Rangers are going to try and force onto the Devils in this series, where it just make them uncomfortable and make them not want to play their game. Because the, the, the finishing quality that the Rangers have is just unbelievable. And I just, I don't, I, I think the Rangers win this series in six. I, I could, that's what's so funny about the series is that I could see every single outcome, and that's such boring analysis. I could see, I could see a series where the Rangers just get outrun out of the Devil, like the Devils just run the Rangers out. But really, like, that's such a small percentage. I just think the veteran leadership, it's such, like, old man takes, but I just think it's true. The veteran leadership, the toughness, the experience of being there been there before, like, the Devils will have their time to shine. I think this Devil team is very good, and you should be afraid of them for the future. You should absolutely, like, this is a, this is the beginning of a legitimate rivalry that will, will have to rank up Greg's list over time. But mm-hmm. as if it stands right now, like, this is a team they should beat. I know that's what Adam Etcetera said on Twitter. You should follow him, by the way. And I, I, I'm right there with I'm right there with him. Rangers in six, I think they can get it done on that Saturday night at MSG. I'm just saying, if you wanted to do the exact odd bet of a New York Rangers six-game series win on DraftKings, the odds are plus 475. I'm not saying I've bet that line, but I've also bet that line. Okay. It's just, I just, well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. If this series goes less than five games, do you see a scenario in which the Rangers lost that series? Like if, if I told Very you before few. this, yeah. If I told you this before this series started that it's only going to last four, I just or don't five see games. this Ranger team, which we just described as one of the most resolute teams in right. Ranger history, exactly. loses in five. Exactly. It would that would shock me to my core to a point where I don't like. I I'm confident Gallant wouldn't survive it, and while I wouldn't be able to sit there and really come up with a great reason for Drury to survive it, I know James Dolan well enough to know that Drury. If the Rangers lose in five, might not survive it. I I, I don't it's, think that's a. Hot it's thing. not a zero percent chance, even though I am a Chris Drury stan. As, yes, no, I, as you hard and I, as it comes, you and I have ever since what his first off season in charge. You and I have gone above and beyond the call of duty to say that Chris Drury is probably one of the top five general managers or vice president of hockey operations or president of hockey operations in the entire NHL. That's not a hot take, but I'm just saying that. There, what is going on in the background of your house? Line? So my neighbor just <laughs> took out a giant wood chipper <laughs> during this podcast, and I'm going to try and edit that out, but he's it, cutting what it seems like siding. 
Yeah, no, it it sounded like all of a sudden someone was playing taps behind you a little it bit. It was way louder. It was not as loud during the Shannon interview, and now he's doing some special wood techniques, which I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. He's, he's like, these guys are talking about Chris Jerry. Like, I gotta, I can fucking drown this shit out. But I, I'm with you where it's where it's. I could see a percentage chance. Like, if the Rangers get swept, like, guy, it's gone. Like, ah, I yeah, I think it's almost a clean sweep because again. You start doing the math, and I'll, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing the math until it actually happens. Fuck but, you. We'll talk about it next week. Ra- yeah, I want to be sad when it, when it comes down to it. But yeah. the Rangers, Rangers right now, I think, in six can win the series. Yeah, I'd say I'd say so, which would be great because that's Jeff's wedding day. Game six? Yeah, so I... <laughs> oh, no. For, the, only way, the only way it won't be is if the Knicks series ends early and the Knicks don't go six because then they could move a game up a, de- a day, I I believe. Would they um, actually do that? Everything's no, all that would be the NHL being stupid. Uh, I mean, being okay. smart, which would be, you know, different. But yeah. Um, Ranger, okay, so if, if if this series does go to six games. If this series Jeff, goes six games, that means on Jeff's wedding day is an elimination game involving the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. Okay, I will uh, I'll call you after. <laughs> <laughs> For BSBOT. Yeah. I'll, I might do a playback during that one. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, that's um, great. We did a bachelor party OT last year, and this year it might be a wedding OT. Might be an elim- it might be the game the game the Rangers get eliminated or go to the next round. How fun. Oh boy. Good times for everybody. It'll be great because Tara's also gonna be at the wedding. So it oh might my ju- God. Ryan, it might be the last episode of Blue Shoes Breakaway. And it was a good run. It really <laughs> was. Um are you are you also Rangers in six? Yeah, I told. I just told you I bet it. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Just confirming. Yeah, no, six just feels like the correct amount of games for this series. I, as as much as as confident as I've become over the last couple of days thinking about this series, I, I think if a team sweeps, it's the Rangers. But I do. I just. I have a hard time believing. Like last year, we were confident the Rangers were winning in five, and quite frankly, they should have. But this year, I, the Devils are good enough and have played a style that is conducive to beating the Rangers well enough for me to sit here and say that if they are able to keep doing that, this is going to be a problem for the New York Rangers. At the same time, I, again, I just, I keep going back to that final regular season game. Yeah. The devils won it, but they won it almost by barely outlasting the New York Rangers. Like I was more confident in the New York Rangers at the end of that game than I was the New Jersey devils. And I think that does speak some volume, considering again, I'm also the guy saying that game didn't matter. It does. All right. Any other any other hot takes we want to get out of the way? The one thing I, I did see, which I was trying to find ways that the stats could back me up on saying the Rangers would win this series, um, and that it was very hard. This fucking guy across the street. That was very <laughs> that was very hard to find. And I found a chart that said uh, teams that have scored in the first period, second period, and third period, and the Rangers are like fourth in first period scoring, which feels very strange. But the Devils are are like second and third in the second and third period scoring right behind, right in front of the Rangers. So it's going to be a high scoring series, and Igor Shosturkin's the difference. And I think that's all you have to say. Yeah, everything. It's so lame to be the podcast that says everything's going to boil down to the goaltending, but everything's yeah. going to boil down to the goaltending. It like just it, it, can, one, can Vitek hold his own, and can Igor be the person he's been over the past two months? If you want to simplify it and talk to your friends about it, that's all you got to say. Yeah, like really, it comes down to. What's the level that Vitek Vanacek has to play at in order to win this series? And is he capable of playing at that level for six games? And then what's 
the level in which Igor Shosturkin has to play at in order to win this series. And can he play that for six or seven games? Igor just has to be average Igor, while Vitek Vanacek has to be 90th percentile outcome of what he's capable of doing. One is a lot more easy to repeat on a day-after-day-after-day basis than the other. Uh, It's not to say Vanacek is not capable of doing it. He is. It's just... It's such a higher bar that he has to clear where all I need is Igor Shosturkin to be his average self. Like, just not even... And then if Igor's being special, the Rangers don't have to do anything. Let's go uh, to our interview with Shannon, and then we'll come back with five-star questions. We talk a lot about more about the series in just a second, so stay tuned after a word from our sponsors. Transition. Hey, yo, it's time to talk about our presenting ticket sponsor, Tick Pick. Hashtag no fees. All right, so it's the playoffs. You want to go to a game. You waited all year. The Rangers waited all year. But you, you, what ticket site should you use? You're never going to believe what I'm going to tell you. Tick pick. You could download the app and wait for it. Usually it's $15 off your first purchase. We were able to talk to our friends and say, hey, can we, can we do a little bit more for our Ranger fans in the, in the playoffs? Like, wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? Yes, it is $40 off. Your first purchase on Rangers playoff tickets with promo code Blue Shirts. That's promo code Blue Shirts with our friends at TickPick. You're going to go to the TickPick app. You're going to see it all ranked by value A, B, hey, this seat sucks. And then when you check out, guess what? You're going to pay the price you saw originally. There's absolutely no fees. That's what it is. So remember, promo code Blue Shirts, $40 off your first purchase on the TickPick app. For the, for the Rangers playoff tickets. So we'll see you at the playoffs, and let's go Rangers. And we're back with the first guest of the day, NHL insider, Shayna Goldman of The Athletic. Shayna, playoff preview, stats, analytics, probabilities, all the good stuff. How are you? I'm good. That's good. Me too. <laughs> and that's the podcast. We're done. We'll see everybody on uh, t- tomorrow night. Me too. Uh, Shayna, let's start. I think every model I've seen, whether it be Evolving Wild, whether it be Dom, pretty much everywhere I've looked, the math hates the Rangers. Can you kind of break that down as to why the math hates the Rangers? Yeah, the Rangers are a weird team when it comes to modeling always because their 5-on-5 play generally isn't where it should be for a contender, right? Like, when you contend for a cup, ideally your 5-on-5 team is top 10 in the league at the very least, and the Rangers are not that way, and they have not been that way for some time. And then the Rangers also happen to rely on elite goaltending and struggle elsewhere, which also not the most sustainable way to go. So it makes sense why by the numbers alone, the models don't love the Rangers. But that is why we never, ever, ever, ever can use the models and the models only. We have to use the models as our starting point and not our end point. And this is like such a gripe for me because I think the modeling is incredible and it's not meant to shortchange anybody's work because people put a lot of time and effort into these models and adjusting them and making sure they work as efficiently as possible. And some of them are really good, but it's our starting point when we have analysis, right? The Rangers are the underdog by the numbers for a lot of reasons, but then we can start digging into it and see where they are and where they aren't truly, right? Yeah, I'll also go this far. I'll I'll, I'll tag on to that. I I think the models are a good starting point, like you said, but it's also 
the one thing the models can't quantify, which is something we would have said and have absolutely said on this podcast, if you listen to episodes in October and you listen to episodes in November and you listen to episodes immediately after the trade deadline, you listen to episodes a couple <laughs> games after the trade deadline. Thank you, by the way, everyone. Small sample sizes. Like it, this is a seven-game vacuum that the Rangers are going to play where a model can tell you what you could expect. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's just, especially in the playoffs, it is something that is completely different and foreign that can't be quantified a lot of the time. We can go back after the fact and say so-and-so played well. Here's why so-and-so played well. Here's what the team did well. But to me, when it comes down to predictions and trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen, we often forget the human element when it comes to this. And the Devils are a team that, I have a lot of young players that are going to be making their first appearance in a playoff game, and that will do something to them emotionally that could help them or hurt them. The Rangers, they have a lot of guys that have now been there before, but that can do something to them that could help them or hurt them. And it's just, on paper, the Devils play a style of hockey that the Rangers don't exactly defend well, and that's a lot of things a Ranger fan should be worried about. At the same time, we're talking about a four-game sample size here where what the Devils did that was super success- successful for 82 games might not fucking matter. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. Hockey is a beautiful sport. It takes place on this surface called ice that's very slippery. Um, Speak on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 things can happen. There can be ruts in the ice or it can slide a lot. Um, People skate around with knives on their boots. They hit people. They throw pucks around at 100 miles per hour. Anything can happen in this sport. Um, Things that are incorrect can go through. There could be the wrong calls. There could be the referees missing things or calling things and picking and choosing things. There can be someone just doing everything they can, but they can't get a lucky bounce. Like, this shit happens and the models don't account for that. And we know that, which is why we have to put everything together, right? Like, that's why they play the game. To see what's actually going to happen. And the other part of it that can be tricky to capture is playing styles, right? And that's, I think, going to be a really key factor in this series. Because generally speaking, rush-based offense is not how you thrive in the playoffs, right? We know that. You have to grind it out. You have to be good off the cycle. That's what makes the Tampa Bay Lightning so special. You have to embrace heavy hockey. You have to play a certain level. We know that to be true. In the last year... When heavy hockey has been super influential in the last year, um, Dom found in a story he did to follow up something he did last year that, you know, it wasn't as big of a factor. And players who have struggled in the playoffs before, like Johnny Gaudreau, like Jared Spurgeon, really found their footing in it. So the league is changing. The league is evolving. We do have to think about it differently. The Florida Panthers are an easy team to cite as why rush-based offense doesn't work in the playoffs when, one, they leaned against it at the playoffs and they tried to bring in different skill sets instead of maximizing what they had and two they didn't get to play it in the playoffs one they tried to play a different style that didn't work for them and two their opponents were good at stopping their style the devils can learn from that the devils can learn from a team like the avalanche who ran with their style who got stopped by the vegas golden knights off the rush and they just went you know we have to be patient and be better with it so there's ways to make that playing style work but then there's the inexperience factor that you mentioned right this is these are a lot of players who haven't been there before and it's very easy to panic if something doesn't work and you know it's different from the avalanche who had been to the playoffs before versus this very inexperienced team will they know not to panic will they know to stay calm like these are the things i think that are going to become so important in this series but you know then again the rangers were the guys last year for the most part who weren't there before and look what they did i think this series and i'm so glad you brought up the rush because i 
that's the one thing I see the most, where the Devils were the number one rush team, and I believe the Rangers are the 24th against the rush situation, where obviously that'll be the number one storyline. But I think the Devils, and again, this is um, small brain talking, <laughs> as the series goes on, will kind of lose their legs a little. There'll be that heavy hitting hockey style that you saw five games before the end of the season with the Rangers versus Tampa Bay. That was a playoff game for both teams. They beat the hell out of each other. They hit the hell out of each other. There was some dirty plays. There were some dirty hits. And I think that's what you're going to see in the playoffs. Whereas I'm not sure the Devils... uh, Listen, I'm not scared of the Devils team, but I respect them. I, I know that they have a lot of skill. I'm not sure they'll be able to handle it. I think they'll come out like a ball on fire against the Rangers. And if the Rangers can withstand that onslaught, the Rangers will be able to grind out this series and win in six or seven. But is... What can the Rangers do to try and prevent that transition offense from being so dangerous, from preventing Brat or Hughes from using their elite skill and speed to take over a game? So there's two ways, um, I think, to look at it. You could have the Devils come out, skate circles around the Rangers. The Rangers try to out-hit them. The Rangers tire themselves out. It doesn't work out for the Rangers. They almost had that happen to them last year in round one against Pittsburgh, but we know how that series obviously went. The other way of looking at it is, like you said, the Devils tire themselves out or the Devils get frustrated that they're getting hit all the time and try to change their game. And some of them don't have that versatility. I think that a lot of the Devils are going to be fine if they have to try to forecheck it out and play off the cycle. Guys like Nico Hischer, I think, are going to still thrive. It's the Jack Hughes line that could be a problem. So this is going to be an interesting you know, matchup from that aspect. Like, I think there's a lot we can learn from this series. I really... I think had the Devils matched up to the Rangers or the Islanders, it was like two really good teams to use as examples. And I know some people are like, oh, the Rangers aren't that physical anymore compared to last year. They still are one of the more frequently hitting teams. Um, I think the Rangers are going to have to be careful playing that physical style, though, because, again, if you're hitting someone a lot, you don't have the puck. You don't have possession. You can pull yourself out of plays, and a team that has the speed and the mobility of the Devils can burn you. I think the other thing to look at is um being careful right like not I don't think the Rangers necessarily have to simplify their game I think the Rangers do need to play to their strengths and that is some lateral movement with the puck which can be easy to pick off it's just being smart on when to use those plays um to avoid you know someone picking off a pass and rushing the other way I think that there's gonna have you're gonna have to be very careful not to overcommit I think the Rangers spacing in the offensive zone is going to be really important. So if the puck comes back, there's someone there to try to scoop it up and sustain play in the offensive zone instead of letting the Devils play to their strengths. Um, I think that the Rangers have to rely on their skill, even if it means taking the risk, right? Because I think if they are pushing the pace offensively, they're going to be in a good position. And I think the other thing is not letting the Devils have power plays is going to be really important. Devils power play isn't that great. But if it gets going in this series, I think that's kind of a death sentence for the Rangers because if you score on the power play, you're going to get confidence, right? And that's going to trickle down to your even strength play. We kind of can look at Florida last year as an example of this. They didn't score much off the power play and look what happened. If players like Hughes and Meyer and Bratt aren't scoring on the power play, that might fuck with their confidence at even strength and kind of make them overthink their play instead of just playing to their strengths. So if the Rangers play too physical, I think that they might struggle with their discipline and the devils are going to be able to run circles around them. I think one area that we're running out of avenues to break down the Rangers and the devils has been 
such an it, it's felt like such an inevitability for such a long period of time that many of us has talked ourselves into why X is a problem, but why Y is a benefit. I do think one area we haven't touched a lot on is it, it, it's easy to see the similarities, and if anything, give the Devils a bit of an edge in the top six matchups when it comes to the forward lines. I don't think we've spent a lot of time talking about the advantage the Rangers might have at the bottom half of their lineup, whereas the Devils, you look at their bottom six, yes, Timo Meyer gets flexed out when Andre Pallad is playing well, and it becomes Timo Meyer and his band of merry men. But the Devils are going to have to go up against a supercharged boys to men line and a fourth line that would make those Trots Islander teams blush. And I don't. I just think we haven't quite given enough flowers to the advantage the Rangers might have in the bottom half of their forward ranks. Where like, I'm sure you can see a scenario where the Rangers feel like they need to prevent a goal. They put the fourth line out there against Hughes line, and then boom, voila! Everybody just rotates down one, and the Rangers boys to men line is playing against. Miles fucking Wood? Like, that that's an advantage I'll take every day of the week. That's fair. I mean, look, I think a big difference between this year's fourth line and last year's, they're a little bit more mobile for the Rangers. Tyler Moth can skate. He can disrupt play. He can drive it right back up the ice. He has the speed. He has the pop. Jimmy Vesey is not your typical fourth liner. He's a very good two-way player now. Um, it's so intriguing how he completely changed his game and is using the skill that made him successful offensively to be good defensively. Like, that's exactly what they need. Um, if Palat isn't in the top six, which I don't see him being, you know, that third line for the Devils is a lot weaker. You have Boquist, you have Howley, and and Palat, who are each, sure, they rank pretty well defensively. Like, they don't bring enough to the table offensively while the Rangers' third line can. That can be a really big advantage, like you said. And it's so, the Palat signing is such a weird one because it does feel like everything they wanted him to be Thomas Tatar's being this year. But Pilat is the one that we know can bring it in the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting to see, can he still bring it in the playoffs when he's not with Tampa Bay, when he's not in that top six capacity? Like, he hasn't been doing it all year. Can he do it now? Like, that could be an advantage for them. That could tilt that third line matchup a little bit more. But the fourth line, the fourth line for the Devils has had some scoring luck. And, you know, they do have players like Sharon Govich who are actually good, um, you know, on both ends of the ice. So, they had some scoring pop there, but it does feel like they've outperformed their results. And then we see that play kind of dragging their fourth line down a bit. So if the Rangers fourth line can be at their best, that's a good advantage to have. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see who gets those top minutes, right? The matchup minutes. Is it going to be the fourth line or is it going to be the first line? Generally speaking, Zabanajad goes against top competition with Kreider and Rightfully so. But now you have Kane on that line. Kane is not the speediest person. and He's not good defensively at all. So can you still manage that, you know, that top matchup, which might be against Hughes, when you factor in the speed of Kane versus Hughes? Or do you want your fourth line to take on a little bit more? Like, if they feel the fourth line can, if the first line can't keep up, that's a really big advantage. But it's all a lot of ifs, you know? Shana, this kind of brings me to my next question, which is, what can Ranger fans feel positive about heading to this series? And I, I'm guessing the answer is Igor Shosturkin. And then what can Ranger fans actually be legitimately nervous about? They can be very happy about Igor Shosturkin. Uh, the thing with the Devils goaltending is not a slight to Vanacek. He has been very good this year. He doesn't have the playoff experience. But again, he didn't have this regular experience either until this season. When he got it, he ran with it. And they have done a good job defensively to you know, keep it that they don't need him to be that game changer. And in that role, he's done well. So they need that to continue. The thing is, his workload has never been at this height. And we saw that start to slip. 
at the end of the year. If that continues, that's a big problem for the Devils, especially in this matchup, because you have Igor Shesterkin, who sure started a little bit slow, but has been his elite self the rest of the time. Top five goalie in the league again this year. Everything the Rangers could want more. And they already know they can count on him in the postseason. Like, that is a clear edge. If Vanacek struggles, who do they turn to? Blackwood's been terrible in his minutes. Do you go with the Kira Schmidt, even though he's inexperienced? He's been the better goalie. But there's a good reason they might go to Blackwood first. And I think that's going to bite them. So goaltending is a big thing here. And the goaltending could be what, you know, makes the Devils power play struggle or something like that. And then it it puts doubt into their heads. If Shesterkin can just play at his level, it's a huge difference maker. The thing to be concerned about, I would say, is the speed matchup. The Devils caught a lot of teams on their heels in the beginning of the season because they came out so fast that so many opponents didn't know what to do with them. Then teams started to adjust to them and then hurt the Devils, and the Devils it took some time, but they eventually adjusted back. The speed here could be a problem because the Rangers, while they did try to improve at the deadline, right? And we could say this is one of the deepest forward teams they have with the most finishing talent that they've had. It strengthened a strength that it helped, you know, that strength got them so far last year and they only got better, you know, so. But Tarasenko's not the fastest skater. Kane is not the fastest skater. That could be a problem in this matchup if the Devils try to make it a track meet, which they might try to do to play to their strengths. We really don't know what this Devils team's going to do in the playoffs because they're inexperienced. I think if the Rangers, one, get into a track meet, they might have a problem. They have to figure out how to play their game through it, even if that means slowing down the offensive plays and just moving the puck east-west and figuring out ways to make that click. Um, But if they're out hitting the Devils constantly too and they pull themselves behind the play, not all their forwards have that speed and pop to get back up there. So I would say that might be the biggest weakness and concern. Great. Greg, I'm going to cut you off real quick and then I'll let you go. Um, Fuck you. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Shana, uh, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I think you might see as a fan this week is, and this is this is very common when you're on any any NHL Twitter, when a team's down in shots, you can kind of go, is this team even trying or playing? But I have a feeling that the Rangers will not lead in shots at almost any game in this series. And mostly that's because I think they'll shade back and play give the Devils the respect they deserve on offense and try and have them take as many low-quality shots at Igor Shesterkin as possible in turn in terms of like grinding out and getting their high-quality or medium-quality shots on the other end. And is that probably a fair assessment on strategy? Yeah, I think so. Like, you know what? Generally speaking, there is a reason why, you know, goals are not the most indicative of success because it, it, it's not just about the skaters on the ice, but the goaltenders and the finishing talent. There's so many things, which is why we go bigger. Scoring chances are not the perfect method because, you know, people measure them differently and there's different context leading up to it. That's why we go to shots, right? We use shots for a reason. Does it mean that a team has to lead in shots consistently to be the better team? No, because not all shots are created equally. Um, so if the Rangers are behind in shots, but they're keeping them to the outside and Shesterkin has a good sightline of them because I think that's going to be important too. You can have that outside shot, but you're screening your goalie and they let in a weak goal and that changes the tides. Like that could happen. But if the Rangers are behind in shots, but they manage to get enough, like enough protection of Shesterkin from those quality areas of the ice and they don't leave him exposed, that's a really good thing because they can make a lot happen with a little back. You know, this is a team that can go for quality over uh, quantity over quality at times because they have the finishing talent. This is a team that offensively even if they're shooting from the outside, has the finishing talent to make those 
chances even more dangerous than they should be. So as long as they are keeping the Devils to the outside, and Shesterkin is completely fine with that, even if he's busy, we know he likes facing shots against. Like a lot of shots. Yeah, he said it. And look, he cursed himself, and that's totally fine. He's thriving with it. As long as they're not bleeding scoring chances, I think that it's, it, you know, even if their injuries aren't doing enough offensively, they could still have the edge here. It's very common and very easy to look at the Rangers roster heading into the playoffs last year and the Rangers roster heading into the playoffs this year to take one look and say, all right, they've turned Frank Vetrano into Patrick Kane. They've turned Andrew Kopp into Vlad Tarasenko. And they turned essentially Ryan Reeves into Jimmy VC and just go, wow, we've improved everywhere offensively. That's everything we've needed. This team is deeper. Are we not giving enough credit to the fact that this six-man core defense group the Rangers have is just flat out the best they might ever have at any point in time? And I'm not just talking about the three pairings we're going to see on opening night. I'm talking about for the time that Ryan Lindgren feels like he has to sacrifice himself at the altar and disappears for a couple periods in order to get the batteries recharged. The Rangers just didn't have a Nico Mikola who could seemingly without hesitation, move up in the lineup and not lose anything. And now I like, I I know it, it. I feel like I'm sometimes, you know, selling the bridge here a little bit, but I've never felt more confident that the worst defensive pairing the Rangers are going to have is Braden Schneider and Nico Mikola. I just feel like I'm not going to be overmatched defensively at any point in time. And that's a feeling I never had uh, ever, I think, quite frankly. Okay. Well, I do think you're selling the bridge a little bit, but I do agree with you on the point that Mikola is someone that can move up, right? You compare it to last year when Ryan Lindgren was out and how out of whack the Rangers pairs were as a result. Adam Fox wasn't taking on top competition because his pair was so imbalanced. It literally couldn't happen. Truba and Keandre Miller were taking on top competition against the Penguins and struggling so hard to contain that Crosby line. It literally took Truba taking Crosby out of the lineup for the Rangers <laughs> to have a shot in that series. So Careful, Shayna. Careful. Someone's going to clip that and we're going to get in trouble. I mean, whether or not it was intentional, whether or not it was dirty, <laughs> the fact of the matter is Sidney Crosby left the lineup due to a hit from Jacob Truba, and we know what happened from there. And it's unfortunate that it took that for the Rangers to have that advantage, right? Like, this year's different. In the sense that Mikola can step up with Fox and the Rangers don't suddenly have to scramble everything, right? They don't have to change their tactics entirely. They don't have to change their matchup game. They don't have to do all this stuff that's going to send everyone out of their depths. But you still have someone like Ben Harper stepping in who isn't an ideal option. So I think they can be overmatched still, but it's not to the same extent. So they should feel pretty good about it. The problem is, as much as like we can look at the lineup without Lingren in it, we can only take so much from it because there were games they were going with 11 forwards still. There were games that everything was out of sync. So it's so hard to say, oh, it's fine. They can manage if they have to without lingering because they have the depth. Like their their defensive numbers were terrible because, but there was so much else going on. The forwards weren't used to their new combinations. Nobody was in a steady line combination because of the 11 forward deal. Like there's so much going on that I, I just like struggled to, you know, fully define that time. But it's a better blue line than it was last year, that's for sure. I think it's funny you say that because I think this team, since game two of the season, has been waiting for this game and uh, hasn't really been able to give it their whole effort. And I know that's not fair. Everyone will say these are professionals. They should give it all every single night, leave it all out in the ice. But if the Rangers learned anything from the playoffs last year, and this is what the Devils might have to learn the hard way, is if you if you 
spend all your energy right off the rip, and you're 21 games later heading to game six, or 20 games later heading to game six versus Tampa Bay Lightning when you were up in a series, you're out of gas. It's all over. And how do you how do you maintain that throughout the regular season? Because I feel like the Rangers were playing hard all season last year. And this year, and especially the last four games, boy, did they take the time off. They really did. <laughs> uh, they did not give a fart. They couldn't care less. Yeah, so it I felt think like a lot of teams, to... sorry, a lot of teams were coasting at the end, right? Big time. Big time. And and that's fine. I don't think the Devils were, by the way. Devils were legitimately trying yeah. to get that top spot, to pro- to probably to try and avoid playing the Rangers, which I totally get. I'd rather play not the Rangers if I were them as well. Because one thing that Greg and I said earlier in this show is it's funny that the Rangers are analytically and probability-wise underdogs when this would legitimately be maybe the best roster we'll ever see in our lifetimes. <laughs> and they are not a round one favorite. Yeah. It's a weird year, though. Like, I feel like there are a lot of teams that are going to get undersold because of it. But, like, I don't know. I don't know how much it should matter. I think it's so close. I think that by the numbers, sure. And I'm Look, I am someone that goes by the numbers, right? Like, constantly. Um, There's a lot of questions with the Devils. And the Devils can answer them with flying colors and prove us all wrong and say, hey, we were the favorites, rightfully so, and this is how, and just go pedal to the metal. That could absolutely happen. It's just that... When we take what we know about the postseason, when we take what we know about the Devils, what we take what we know about, like, literally everything, there's a lot of reasons to find holes in their game. I think you could do it with any opponent, though. But it does feel like it's, it's you know, it's unfortunate for the Rangers. I do wonder what this roster would look like with coaches that were a little bit more tactically inclined. So when 5-on-5 five five play suffered, they could go, okay, let's adjust here and do this. Like, I, yeah, that's a flaw. Like, what what if this team was managed by someone like Jared Bednar, right? You know, how different could it be? Or by Mike Sullivan? Um, those are, like, the questions I think worth asking, too, for how do you fully maximize this roster? But it's, it's a very good roster that they have right here. It would be a very disappointing year. Like, last year it was getting to the playoffs, see what happens. Like, they set expectations for themselves. And now they have to figure, you know, now they need to have the underdog mentality that they had last year while balancing the experience they gained to figure out a way to get through. Shannon, how much time, if any time, should we be giving the Lindy Ruff versus Gerard Gallant conversation? Literally. Like, yeah, I I don't know if I've ever had a... There were times last year where Gallant... I, I know we spent time on this podcast being like, the Penguins have the coaching advantage. The Hurricanes have the coaching advantage. The Lightning have the coaching advantage. And now that the rain, now that there isn't a clear advantage behind the bench, I just don't care about even talking about Gallant versus Ruff. I, I, I don't know if that's me underselling it or playing it properly. So I'm curious your take. I think we need to see both of them in playoff action, right? We haven't seen Lindy Ruff in the playoffs in a minute as a head coach, so it would be nice to see what he brings to the table now, especially because... I think the Devils are a good example to teach us how much we're going to learn from head coaches versus assistant coaches. You see them change their assistants this year and change tactically. And the power play is a completely different conversation. Their defensive coverage is a different conversation because they have different voices leading it, whether they brought their own systems to it and their own ideas, or they're just better at executing roughs. Like I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I Wish we got a little bit more from assistants and we got to hear a little bit more from them to find this stuff out. And I wish that there was a little bit more clarity in whose role is what. So 
on the surface, could we say the assistants in New Jersey have done a better job tactically than the Rangers? Like, yeah, I think so. We see the differences in, you know, what they brought to the table this year. But, like, we don't know what that's going to look like under pressure. We don't know what it's going to look like in a series when it's the same opponent over and over again. How do you adapt? Like, it's a good test for both. And the good question is going to be, what did the Rangers bench learn from last year, if anything? Because we know the stubbornness um, to change and evolve. Nothing, and- Shayna. Not a goddamn thing. Exactly. They, they learn to they learn to maintain their energy so they're not exhausted by round three. And outside yeah. of that, I'm not sure there's much else. Yeah, like that's what we're going to have to see. Like it took until game six or seven last year for the Rangers to go, you know what, let's put out Tyler Mott on the first line to go up against top competition in the most crucial moments of the game. They happened to score on that shift. I think it was in game six, and that changed a lot of things for the Rangers. Do they know to go to that again? If you're defending a one-goal lead with five minutes to go, do you know? Pull Patrick Kane off the line and go with someone like Mott, go with someone like VC, who they're not one-dimensional defensive players, so you can... I think they do. I, I'm I'm kind of hoping and praying. I do I do think one of the, the awesome parts about this lineup is how flexible it can be. And right. How, and how you don't have to be that stubborn old man if you don't want to. Yes, it's important to play Patrick Kane if in minutes. If you don't want to. Correct. Correct, Jana. Uh, it's a, it's important to play Patrick Kane the minutes he wants to play. I get that. But moving VC and possibly Mont up in terms of like holding a lead or playing a matchup. Like if the Rangers were up 3-1 and they switched the lines to that, I'm not throwing a hissy fit. No, it, no, it they becomes... could easily go, right? Put Mott and VC around Trocek and throw Barkley Gaudreau up with Kreider and Zibanejad and go, we have two shutdown lines right there. That's what we're going with. But... You kind of got to know that they work, and it would be nice. That's that's the thing. Like, when they coasted the end of the season, I think that a good team, a smart team, a co- smart coaching staff, I should say, knows to test their options, right? The Colorado Avalanche, the year that they won, at the end of the year, they knew their standing spot was fine. They just started mixing and matching lines because they wanted to know if one line got shut down or someone got injured, this is what we have in our back pocket waiting for us. And they had things come up throughout the playoffs. They had injuries like Tanazim Kadri. How do you readjust? Who's going to play center? They had everything... Not planned for them, but they had it in their back pocket, knowing what would work and what wouldn't. This lineup has the versatility. Do they know the other options? Not yet, but hopefully they can figure them out on the fly. Stick with them. Give them a shot without overcommitting. Like, that's that's the key of it all, right? Well, I'll, I'll say two points to that. The first one is I, I never like to be the guy that comes off as defending the coaching staff. I don't feel like that is my brand. I don't feel like that's where I thrive well. I will say it's, it's it's easy for an Avalanche team to mix and match like they did last year because they weren't making those big swing deadline acquisitions. They they, they added yeah, they around, didn't need to. Right. They added around the edges, which is great. The Rangers, you add in Kane and Tarasenko, you got to let them get comfortable sooner or later with someone before you can start mixing them with other people. So that yeah. that is hard to do. But then my point is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right, when you say – we're only going to go as far as the veterans take us. Like we need Kane and Tarasenko to play well in order to get us there. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're they're struggling and you're not feeding minutes to other players who could then help you and take the charge. And I do think more so than many coaches we've seen with the New York Rangers, I think Gerard Gallant puts himself in positions to be a victim of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Look no further than... What's the fulcrum point of this entire season? The Rangers are playing the St. Louis Blues on a Monday night. They're losing. It looks like the Rangers have spent the entire weekend trying to replace Gerard Gallant. They didn't get the guy that they wanted for various point, various reasons, one way or the other. 
and they're in the middle of this game against a Blues team that they should be able to beat, and Glant goes, fuck it, I'll play the kids. I will prove to you that this will not make a difference one way or the other, (laughs) and that'll be fine. And what happens? The kids save his job. And it's just like... That, it's just but, how it goes. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to say Gallant learned from that, but frankly, while I, I, I appreciate Gallant was leaning on the kids towards the end of the season because, one, it was a line that was playing the best, and, two, they're the line that you're able to lean on heading into the playoffs because their legs are simply fresher. I do worry that we're going to get to the playoffs and it's going to be a 3-2 game late in a tight series and the three players you won't see on the ice are going to be Hedo, Capo, and Lafreniere because they're whatever reason in Glant's eyes not ready for the moment when I think they are. Yeah, no, but you're right. Like, you're totally right. That's a line, though, like they have to figure out how to trust. They have to figure out how to maximize. They didn't do it last year. And if they can manage that well, they're going to have really good forward depth. They're going to have something really tough to compete with. Shayna, I think that's uh, that's all we have time for today. We could go. We could go longer, but I don't want to. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, anything you'd like to plug on your? Uh, obviously, you put out a lot of great previews lately. I've read some. Um, any other any other articles you'd like to plug for the athletic or other things you're doing? Yeah. Um. What am I doing? My brain just went black. What am oh, I doing? Yeah. Well, I so, think you did do like a two hour too many men today. That maybe you want to talk about. Yeah. So too many men coming out with their preview in the morning. Um, and we'll be back. On Thursday with more every Tuesday and Thursday pretty much you can catch us um you can read all the previews there's a bunch of them you can read stuff on Kaprizov and Jason Robertson I that went up today uh fun collaboration you can look out for a national look at all teams up against the contender checklist on Wednesday and throughout the playoffs you can just catch me writing all different things I'm gonna be writing about all different teams and all different things and I'm sure I'll have something on this series I have something I have been hoping to do and i have to see how the uh how the series progresses but i i've had plans for things for a while so i'm hoping things come to fruition and i can write about them so just like you know look around read some things if you see them tell me they're amazing Shana. just make sure oh, oh just I make sure what, what Shana posts on twitter just reply good job Shana. yeah that's just, all i ask please pat me on the back please yeah, good job, it Shana. like it you know i'll do it, it first so you guys remember yeah thank you Shana, yeah. last question for me, and then we really got to let you go. What What was the biggest NHL fuck up here? Putting Rangers Devils on the same day a Knicks playoff oh game, God. or putting Rangers Devils on the same day, or just pairing the Rangers and the Maple Leafs on the same days throughout the entire first round? Yeah, that was a choice, right? Like I, we know that they're going to split split up divisionally, which makes the most sense, and they need the time balance, and I get that. I obviously knew the Rangers were going to go opposite the Islanders. I did not think they would go up against the Knicks because viewership reasons and the NHL should want that because they're not going to win the battle there. Um, But I really thought it would be like Boston and the Rangers on the same day and then the Leafs going opposite with the Islanders. But I apparently don't know anything, so... I just, I, I, it, it, it almost could be an arena me... availability thing. Like I don't, I really didn't look much into it. So, but here's the thing. The, so instead of the NHL giving the Rangers and Devils, they should have done Rangers Devils Monday, Wednesday. They would have had to give them two days off in order to make Saturday work, but you could have done it. Cause now what you're doing is you're going to go every other day until you get to game five and six when yeah. you have to give the two days off because the Knicks are also going to be possibly playing those games. And it's just, I don't know. The NHL, no, I just, you have two marquee franchises, especially on the East Coast. And you have People a marquee series. People view the Bruins series. as such, though. They might have wanted to keep the Bruins. 
they obviously have to keep the Bruins and the, and the Leafs opposite, but I, I don't know if they thought two big markets in the U.S. and they, like, Toronto's going to get their views. It doesn't matter. Maybe they thought the Rangers and Boston should be the ones that are separate. I disagree I just, with that. I just, I would say as a non-Maple Leaf fan, uh, your best Eastern Conference series is Rangers-Devils for the first round. And then your most popular, just Dallas Cowboy-esque Eastern Conference team are the Toronto Maple Leafs. Put them on different days. Figure yeah. it out after that. I just don't, it's amazing to me the NHL always finds a new way to fuck it up. And them hitting a twofer on putting the Leafs and Rangers on the same day and putting the Leafs and Rangers on the same day the Knicks are playing, that's amazing. I, br- bravo, Gary. You've, you've done it again, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Chana, can't thank you enough. We will Thanks talk for to you having soon. me. Good luck in the playoffs. Thank you. You too. Hey, we're back. Hey. Thanks, Shana. Appreciate hey. her time. Yay. 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 Uh, hey, before we get to five-star questions, if you are in the New York City area on Saturday and you want to mm. come watch the game with Greg and I, we'll be at mm-hmm. Downtown Social. Damn right. Uh, no cover. Don't have to do anything. Ryan and I will be there early. Um, so all you have to do is find us and start drinking. That's it. That's all you got to do. Come on in. Have cheap drinks. Drink. Enjoy, hopefully, the game. I will say anyone worried, this is a new – we every time the Rangers – every time we host a watch party and the Rangers lose, we immediately try to find a new bar. So we found a new bar, and this is also a Ranger-sanctioned bar where they are promoting some special events at Downtown Social the day of the game. So I don't know what that means, what that entails, but it's more reason to come hang. And I'll also add on to that, Ryan. It's been a busy week here at Blue Shirts Breakaway, and I'm sure you talked about all this in the open. But it's it did. Helpful, helpful to remind at the end of the podcast, too. We have new merch available for you to listen, for you to buy. MSG Fight Night, Once Upon MS- a Time on Broadway. Yep. We are also a reminder that if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you should be one because we're doing OTs after every non-Monday night playoff hockey game. The only nights we will not do OTs on uh, Blue Shirts Breakaway is if the game happens to fall on our regularly scheduled recording night. Which I would believe be game that applies, seven. That'd be game seven. Great, wonderful. What should be? What could possibly go wrong? What could, we've never uh, done this before. <laughs> and then I will also do my best to host the vibe checks before games, like I did last year in our Discord on days of the game, with the exception again of game three. Because if you want to do the vibe check, come to the bar early. I'll do it with you in person. And then uh, we'll figure out a way to do a Saturday night something or other. After game three, we'll do it fucking live. Like we'll do the OT will be for everybody at the bar. <laughs> uh, I might record something on the phone and put it up anyway. And then uh, last thing is we're doing a playback live game watch. If you were listening to this right now on Tuesday of game one on playback.tv slash blue shirts breakaway. Yeah. Right. We got, we got our friend, um, Eddie, not that Eddie Murphy, but Eddie Murphy from, uh, the, <laughs> imagine <laughs> the, the, from, uh, against all odds fame. He'll be coming on. Uh, and then Connor Rogers, who's been on our show a couple times and on playback a couple times, will be joining us. Connor's also coming by on Saturday, too. Oh, is he? he? Yeah, he wants to come drink and be nervous um, about I am hockey. pumped to take a picture with Connor because he's a very handsome man. Oh, uh, we should also mention, um, listen, if you're free Friday night, our good friends over at the Knicks wall are doing a special watch party for game three of Knicks Cavs. But and it's more can, important to come to ours. Yeah, well, do both. I mean, that's all yeah, I'm saying. Just throw like, it out there. But if you had to choose everybody. one. If you had to choose one, Saturday's a better night than Friday. I'm going to hear a good joke. If you had to choose one, why not us? Oh. <laughs> oh, they stole that hashtag. Anyway. We bought, we lent it to them with no royalty fees, which was bad. Or a request. Um, this is from <laughs> Five Star Questions. If you want to do this, you can go to Patreon. 
and go to our Discord. Leave them a five-star question channel. Uh, this is from Ian, uh, 22. How could you guys sleep on bread in the top five most handsome play? This is my own preference, Ian, and so is Greg's. You cannot tell me what I think is beautiful or not. Mm, yeah, I of the beholder, yada, yada. Uh, this is from Mr. Cab. It's also Which, why Ryan can't be angry at me if I think the Canadians are a bigger rival than the New Jersey Devils. I can, though. That's that's my opinion. Sure can, uh, because you can't be angry at my opinion. Oh, fuck. Did we just unravel politics? I think we did. Oh, oh man. No, this you true. can be angry at people's opinions. I'll, I'll allow it. This is from Mr. Cab. Will the musical OT itself be in musical format? No. God, no. You don't want that. <laughs> I did. I figured as much. It's from David in New York. We, when we got 91 and 88, I believe he means Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, the stats said they were both defensive disasters, but my eyeballing game seems to say they're both pretty responsible. Am I missing their gaffes? I've seen uh, their charts, and they're big reds. I'll, I'll tell you, from my eyeball game, Patrick Kane looks like a man that doesn't give two shits in the defensive zone. Uh, seems like his controller disconnects quite often. I, I think Tarasenko... Tarasenko, I will say, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a harder eye test to... Um, uh, chart negotiation between which is actually true. When I, I think it's what we get lost when you're watching Tarasenko live is like when you're a high energy player, it always looks like you try and you give a shit. So on the eye test, trying and give a shit make like convinces your head that he's a good defender. Where I don't necessarily think like if you happen to lose track of him in the moments you lose track of him, I think that's also him losing track of his defensive responsibilities. And it does come back to, like, here's the thing. I don't, I wouldn't want either on the penalty kill. If I had to choose one, I'd say Tarasenko. Uh, I think the charts are telling the true story on Kane defensively. I, to me, my eye test says that man is just not even striding when he's in the defensive zone. Whereas Tarasenko, I think he's honest to God trying. I just don't think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but that's a, that's a harder negotiation when you're, trying to compare a, a red bar bad to what you're seeing on the ice. It's from Jack G Rogan 25. If you guys could have one current player on the show, mm. who would it be and why? <sighs> thought about I think, this recently. Yeah, it, it's interesting cuz like if we had a player on the show, I'd have questions about it's kind of why I wish we had Adam Clendenning on the show much later than we did cuz yep. inter- we would have just been more nonsensical with our questions. Yeah, we wouldn't um, have been as serious. Yeah, and I, I think, like, if you wanted me to have a serious person on the show and ask him serious hockey questions, I do think Truba is the right answer for that. But I have so many non-hockey questions to run by Chris Kreider that it's hard for me to think of a guy I'd rather have on the podcast but him. I like, just I wish just... Chris would, like, answer honestly. If, if, yeah. if you could, this question is much more fun if you like give them truth serum. Like, I've seen the interviews where Mika is like kind of free speaking. I'm good. Like, I don't need to interview Mika's Zibanejad. He's awesome. I get that. But to, if, that, to that point, I do think like if you were to ask real questions, Jacob Truba is the one that comes closest to giving you a 100% answer to what you're asking. Where, like, if you ask him a nonsense question, he'll have fun with it. But if you ask him a serious hockey question, it won't be completely cliched answers. But, like, the questions I need to ask Chris Kreider, it's like, did you eat another man's heart at some point in your life? Like, who's your who's your favorite Tolstoy? Like, what's your favorite Tolstoy? Like, I need stuff from Chris that, even if he's being evading and defensive with his answers, I think it's going to be enlightening. Agreed. Uh, this is from Hella Vanilla. Have you guys listened? And I'm going to piss off a bunch of people with this. Have you guys listened to Hank's new podcast, Club 30? And if so, as seasoned podcasters, what do you think about it? I've quite enjoyed it so far. I have not. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've become like 
I don't think I'm less diverse in the podcast I want to listen to, but I just like, I have to be in the right mood to want to add a new podcast to my register. And I recently did just add a new podcast to my register because Fabrizio Romano has the new show on Men Here we go. Yep. Here we go. So that like that has eaten into my, I've admitted I had 45 free, more free minutes in my week for a show. And that's kind of filling it up by the way. I love it because I'm learning more about the transfer movement and the, and the thinking of teams. Like it's, I was missing something, and that's filling a 45-minute gap that I was missing. What? But quite frankly, like I don't listen to 32 Thoughts every week. Yeah, I think one of the things with me, Hell Vanilla, is that I don't listen to a lot of Ranger content outside of Vince, um, mostly because I want to have my own opinions on certain things, and uh, I don't want to copy other people's styles. I do listen to, like... I listen to like if there's like a, a segment that I re- someone tells me is really good that Molly's done, but I'll I'll, I'll listen to thirty uh, not thirty I'll listen to thirty two thoughts once in a while, but mostly Vince like every other week. Yeah, I listen to thirty two thoughts when a big moment is happening on the bigger landscape because I I know they're not going to talk about the Rangers, so it's not going to impact my opinion about the Rangers. But like I listen to them leading up to the playoffs because I'm curious what possible storylines I'm missing in these other series. When the answer after listening to the episode is, oh, I'm not missing anything. Interesting, interesting. So that's things from the question from Slurps, and I feel like we answered it. With the Devils being an elite rush offense, how much stupid shit from the blue line will Gallant permit? And how can NYR play their game while also neutral- neutralizing the Devils game? I feel like we covered that a lot with Shayna. Um, but I, I think Panarin sometimes does his mind, has a mind of his own and will not listen to Gerard Gallant. So get used to seeing some more stupid shit from the blue line. Yeah, and I think maybe one area of conversation um, we didn't talk a lot about in the lead up to game one is like we, we mentioned how the devils might have to change how they play in order or will feel like they have to change how they play in order to be more conservative. But like, can you think of any scenario in which the Rangers are going to change their style of play for anybody? I feel like this team is just built to play playoff hockey and that's how they play hockey. And during the regular season, there are some games where that doesn't work because you're simply not going to get the players to buy into it needing to be a playoff-like game. But for like this team, I don't think there's anything they do that is that they find successful on a nightly basis that I'm going to have to take a step back and be like, man, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in the playoffs. Their entire style is predicated on being successful in the playoffs. Agreed. Uh, I have to run for now, Greg, but this has been a fun episode. Thanks to Shanna. Thanks to everybody. Hopefully we'll see a bunch of you in the weekend. We'll be back on BSBOTs. We'll be on playback. You know where to find us. Follow us on Twitter at Orion at Blue Shirts Break. We'll see you guys later. Love you guys. Bye. Okay, it's the end of the show. You know what time it is. I'm going to thank the NHL Insiders members. I'm going to mispronounce a lot of their names as we go. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Monturo, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lackos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy Rollman. That's new. That's amazing. Cassidy Rollman. That's a fun one. Cat Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stellwagen, Recovery uh, Pedemich, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Zizen, David Nair, David Siegel, Dennis Deitsterian, Eric Stagg, Gabe Valley, Garrett Randis, Give Gardner a cup, Garrett Gatsby Fly. Hayek, waivers happen before I watch Miracle. I'm going to watch it after the playoffs. Harrison Haskell, Happy 89. Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jack Bagel. He gave me permission to say that his name was Jack Bagel instead of Bagley. James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Zabransky, JD, Jimmy, uh, JD, Jean Jacques, Francoise, Jean Jean, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shades, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessenbaum, Josh Wishar. 
Thanks, Josh. Chris from Florida. Christoph Berg. Le- Leschik. Gronowski. Nice. Libra Kayak. Lou Giordano. Matthew Goodwin. Matthew Klein. Meatball the Cat. Mike Bucklaw. Mike Monasco. Mike Pasternak. Nate Hanafi. Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodrev, PJ Sisparo, Pro Wonsers Gamer, Randy Tester, Stig Bulbark, Swangard, Tate, Taga Sheamus. I think I nailed it. To drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tom, Tony Gregory, Tor from Heaven, Vinnie Bracco, Vinnie Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you all for making this podcast possible and for supporting us. Good luck to everybody this week. And by that, I mean surviving the emotional turmoil of the playoffs. You will need it. I will need it. We will all need it together. Why not us? Is this team good? I hope so. It should be. Rangers at six last year. And I think it's funny to kind of look back at this um, to think about it. I remember this time very well last year. And we came on uh, this year, the the. It was the Monday of, so next Monday, next Monday's podcast. We left the we we left the podcast saying Rangers in five. No way they don't beat this Penguins team. Turned out we were right, but it took everything, including overtime in Game Seven. But we came back on this Monday, and it was me, Fitz, and Greg, and we were down three one in the series. And boy, I mean, if you want to go back and listen to it, it is one of the saddest episodes you can ever listen. I think we flame Mika Sabinajad. We talk about big time players like Jamie Panera not showing up. My point of saying this all is it's just not over till it's over. Don't freak out. The Rangers go down 2-0. I think they're going to go into game 3-1-1, stealing a game on the road. This game's, this team's just too good. And I really I really believe in them. It's unbelievable. I, I <laughs> The team's too good. It's too good. So stay tuned. I hope to see you some, some of you on playback. I hope to get some of your feedback on the BSBOT's post-games episode. It is the long stretch for all of us. And uh, I enjoy having you guys next to me. So love you guys. Let's go Rangers. It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care.